UN Today and Here's London present Health Today, a series of interviews with health professionals who share their personal lives, their responsibility at work, and their vision of the future. Today, we interview Howard Catton, Chief Executive Officer of the International Council of Nurses. Howard, thank you very much for coming to the Palais de Nation. We would like to start with a personal question to let people know who is behind the professional. What can you tell us about yourself? Uh, my name is Howard Catton. Uh, I'm a nurse um, and I became a nurse uh, when I left school. Um, I lived near a local hospital. Uh, I went to the hospital to try and get a, a job and they asked me if I would do some voluntary work. Um, and I did. I started doing some voluntary work, helping to move people around the hospital, helping to go and deliver food. But I just saw what a difference all of those people were making to people's lives on a daily basis and how important health was to everything else. It's not until you don't have health that you realise that it's just, it's central to your family life, your social life, your work life. Everything that you do revolves around being healthy, having good relationships, being happy and content, so much more than just your physical health. So I became uh, a nurse. I have a young family. I have a, a son and a daughter who are 13 and 10. So right now it feels that in my spare time I'm like the taxi driver going to the scouts or going to the cubs or going to the orchestra or, or down, to the, down to the lake for, to, meet with their, to meet with their friends. Thank you very much. Um, this allows us now to, to better understand why you are where you are. So what would be the main responsibilities of your job? Today, I'm the Chief Executive Officer of the International Council of Nurses. Uh, we're the body recognised by WHO, by the UN organisations, to speak on behalf of nurses. 28 million nurses around the world. We're headquartered uh, in Geneva, in Switzerland, and our members are the National Nursing Associations, the organisations in country who represent nurses. Uh, so what we are trying to do is to make sure that we're bringing nursing advice and nursing expertise to global health policy making. So, you know, just two weeks ago, we had a lot of nurses participating in the World Health Assembly. We're organising and managing that to make sure that nurses are intervening on key items, giving a nursing perspective and giving advice. We're letting our member associations, national nursing associations in country are our members. We're letting them know what we say, but we're also letting them know what the ministers from their countries are saying, what commitments they are giving as well, so that the, the lobbying, the advocacy that we do globally can then be followed up locally. We also write a lot of statements and a lot of, uh, a lot of reports. That can sound a little bit dull, but for example, our most recent report showed that we think that the global nursing shortage could be doubling from 6 million to 12 to 13 million and bringing alive to health ministers, to global policy makers, just how catastrophic that would be 
for health services, for the delivery of health services, is where we're bringing nursing voice and proposing actions that we want to see. So we're not just saying this is what we think that the problem is. We're then saying here's a fix, here's a solution. This is what nurses think you should be doing. And thank you very much once again. Um, based on these responsibilities that, he, that, that you have just described, how could you describe the future of your organization, let's say, in the next five years? Whenever the next disaster happens around the world, and we know there will be one, there'll be another pandemic, there'll be a, a natural or a man-made disaster. Firstly, that we are better prepared for that, that we have done the planning, we've got the equipment, the tools that our frontline staff need to respond to whatever that disaster is, that the systems are in place, that we're ready to go. All of those things require work, preparation and investment in advance. We know that didn't happen with the pandemic and it was nurses who then had to suffer the consequences, had to manage and deal with the consequences of that as people got sick. That requires real investment and too often I hear ministers, politicians talking about health and just seeing the cost. Was it Oscar Wilde who said that people know the cost of everything but the value of nothing and I feel a little bit like that with nurses as well that we don't see how what nurses do, how the investment in health is central to our health and our well-being but also provides security and peace and cohesion within countries. Um, so that much better preparedness, but then also when events happen. And I think that what I'd also like to be able to see is that when the big issues that are facing the world you know, are being discussed here, you know, whether it's in Geneva or, or in New York or in Vienna as, as well, it's not just health, but it's climate change, it's about mental health, it's about peace and it's about prosperity, that people get the fact that nurses and healthcare workers have a key, leading, important, valuable voice that they're bought in, that we're not sat outside the room waiting for a minute to come in and you know just deliver an intervention for two or three minutes, that we're sat around the table in a much more consistent way as, uh, as well. The pandemic showed that nurses are heroes, mm -hmm. not only because they, they could have stayed at home and quit their jobs, Mm -hmm. but also because they were much more exposed than doctors mm -hmm. because of the amount of care that they had to mm -hmm. provide to the patients. Apart from the applause that they received in, mm -hmm. in the balconies all, all over the world, mm -hmm. what kind of recognition do you think it would be worth it to give them? I, I agree with you. I think that the pandemic did show the true value of what nurses do, that their efforts were heroic, they were heroines and they were heroines. People had on a daily basis images pumped into their TV screens showing them the reality of modern day nursing and people have always known that nurses are caring and compassionate but I think people saw a different side, they saw courage, they saw the complexity, they saw the technical skills, they saw the leadership of nurses and they saw just how central all of that was to the response to the pandemic but also to holding our health systems 
together. But what it then exposed is this lack of investment, historic lack of investment. Um, nurses around the world are still paid often uh, uh, well below the average for the salary levels in their, in their countries. Whilst we recognise the value of what they do in terms of health, we don't value economically what nurses do. And I think that a key reason for that is that 90% of the nursing profession are female. They are women. And we, when you listen to how that work is, that work is described, we say, oh, it's a calling, it's a, it's a vocation, and, and these are innate qualities that women have that make them good nurses. That may be true, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't value and pay for their contribution economically the same that we do for everybody else. And we see this not just in pay, but in the lack of career progression, women often being held back from senior positions, not being able to access career opportunities, learning and development still not providing the flexibility at work uh, for family-friendly policies as well as the other protections as, as well. Addressing some of these deep-rooted historic structural inequalities within the gender components of the nursing profession and the healthcare workforce, I actually think that that's a, that, that's a root cause of addressing the increase in valuing nursing. Mm -hmm. Have you have you been contacted by the government or by or by governments or by hospitals during the pandemic to see what was your point of view or if you had any any particular advice? Uh, we have, and I think to to be fair, that we have seen. Um, We've, around the world, we've seen this recognition of how important nursing, nurses and the nursing workforce is. And we've had people who've come to ICN, who go to the national nursing associations to go to nursing leaders in country as well for their advice. Um, but this is something that shouldn't just happen during a pan. Demic. This is something that we need to embed and ingrain. So it's normal. We're normally going to nursing for their advice. As well as seeking our advice on the things that we think are, are the important things to do to support nursing for the future, we are, though, seeing some worrying signs of uh, aspects to solving problems which I think which are still the short-term quick-fix approach. An example is you haven't educated enough nurses so you go and recruit from other countries and what we see is that that's often from countries who already have fewer nurses lower lower middle income countries high income countries quick fix they recruit from those countries the consequence on those countries is that it's more difficult for them to deliver health care to their own people and that just widens inequalities globally. I think that we've seen how the, the pandemic has really shone a light on, has exacerbated the, the inequalities that already exist in our world. And nursing is an example of that, how that recruitment from other countries risks widening those, equalities, those inequalities as well. And one of the things that I think that, that nursing has also been an important voice on is to say, look, the fixes and the solutions to these big global health issues, they're global solutions. No one country 
can fix uh, a pandemic, can close down an, a pandemic on its own. No one can, country can prevent climate change or can turn the clock back. It requires countries coming together. It requires a multilateral approach. And what I worry about is that I see far too often signs of a retreat from multilateralism, uh, a focus on the national interest, recruiting nurses, yes, migration policies would be another example as, as, as well. Whereas I think what the, what the world is screaming at us is you need to work together as one world in a multilateral, in a solid, in an approach of solidarity, of collaboration, of cohesion. And that's, that's also something where I think nurses bring their learning, their practice from around the world, which is, is one example of, of how we can model and how we can take that approach forward. Good. Um, generally speaking, it is not the same training that a nurse in a village in an underdeveloped country receives yeah. as one in Geneva mm. or in New York. The pandemic imposed a remote learning mm -hmm. somehow as a technical thing. Uh, could this be helpful to equalize the training globally? Um, the advances in technology absolutely are hugely important to the investment in nursing education, how we scale up nursing education, how we support more people to become nurses so that it isn't just the, the traditional model of where mm -hmm. you have to do mm -hmm. so many hours of training you know, in a hospital or in a health centre, yeah. but that more learning can be provided remotely. The balance between the hands-on practice and experience in the remote mm -hmm. learning is hugely critical and, and, and important, but we can do more with remote learning. We can also do more through technology with simulated learning, with simulated laboratories where nurses, and I've been to them, I've visited them in high and in low and middle income countries. They're a hugely important way of improving uh, learning. And it's very real. I've sat and watched and you can see the, the way that the, the student nurses are, are reacting yeah. very, very close to it if they were actually uh, with a patient as mm -hmm. well. But the other area for technology, as well as education, is then what you can do to increase health services to people generally, that you can have you know, a remote consultation. Uh, we know that it's often nurses who are the, the health professional who you see most often, and if, particularly if you're in a remote and a, a rural place, but even then there can be challenges. Uh, and with the technological support, um, it in helps to increase access to healthcare for everyone. And we see around the world, uh, you know, examples of, you know, uh, not just remote consultations, but nurses who are working out of supermarkets, who are working out of um, government buildings that are set up to help people with homelessness, are working in tower blocks as, as well. I absolutely believe that, that, that the nursing workforce, supported, enabled, empowered with technology, is a key, key, key part of the solution of increasing access to healthcare for people everywhere around the world. Good. Thank you. If you had to summarize the three most important policies that nurses need today, what would they be if we had a, to provide an example? 
Look, I've said it a few times now, but I think the investment in the nursing workforce, not just the warm words, um, not just the plaudits, the applause, the talk of heroic behaviours, in a way I think that's backfired a little bit because I think nurses themselves are saying, look, we heard you call us heroes and heroines, but you haven't followed through with the practical support and investment. And around the world, we are starting to see increases in numbers of nurses quitting and leaving the profession early. So it needs hard, invest, hard investment. Uh, but I think it also then needs uh, a much greater recognition of the value of nurses and nursing, not just in delivery, we've spoken a lot about the delivery of healthcare and of course nurses have great expertise there, but in the big design decisions, in the policy debates, in, in, in the UN decision making, WHA uh, uh, meetings, in all of those places as well. So that advice and that expertise is not just at the bedside, but it's mm -hmm. at boardrooms, it's at these tables that we're sat around here today as well is, is, is heard. Um, and then I think, I think that we, I think that we, we have to much more seriously address inequalities that exist in our societies, inequalities in access to health care, and we've even got inequalities in the difference between access to physical health care and mental health care. Woeful investment uh, in mental health where we know around the world that the area of one of the areas of greater growth of health needs is mental health people who've had to cope with the pandemic the conflicts the wars that we've seen in the world as as well but i think you know last time that i looked one two percent of health budgets are spent on mental uh, health recognizing though that a lot of those inequalities you can't just separate health out the people well, the reason people may find themselves in a situation where they're struggling uh they're, they're, they're they don't have a they don't have a good good job maybe they've lost their job because they because of ill health uh, they lose their job they then lose their home they then are, are in situations where they may become more dependent on alcohol uh, they're on the street they get physical health problems they get mental health problems as well so Health really being at the centre of all policies, I think, is critical to addressing some of these deep-rooted inequalities. And as I said, addressing the gender inequality is a huge part of that. And if we can fix some of the discrimination that we've seen in nursing, we go a long way to fixing discrimination for women more generally because of how many women work in nursing. That's not saying just do it for, for nursing, but if you're really serious about addressing gender inequality, I would say, I might say this, wouldn't I, but I would say start with nursing because that gives you a huge way in to addressing these deep-rooted gender inequalities. Nice. Um, what are the areas where the, the, the council needs to become stronger? Um, Kind of a change. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so uh, our membership are national nursing associations, 
Um, but there are many other groups and other bodies that nurses are involved in and work with. So, you know, the, the nursing education, nursing regulation, nurses who work in government, nurses who work in voluntary and charitable organisations, nurses who work in other UN institutions and international humanitarian organisations like MSF and ICRC, nurses who work in the private uh, sector right the way around the world. Uh, again, I think if we, if, we, if, if we look at what's happening globally and, and where, where you see good examples of things getting fixed, it's, it's, it's rarely one organisation or two who manage to do that. It's where people have come together in partnership and in collaboration as well. So I think that one of the things that we need to do is to, uh, is to build on our role as being the home for international nursing or for nursing in its widest possible sense. And I think that we need to be much more closer and develop our relationships with patient organisations, with other sections of civil society. I've given the examples of how housing and employment are so critical. We should be working really uh, much more closely with those bodies and those, those, those organisations uh, as well. So I think that, that's, that, that's, that's a direction of travel that we need to embrace and whilst we're always going to be absolutely concerned and focused on a lot of our work in terms of supporting and advocating and advancing nursing because we believe firmly when you do that you advance healthcare we can't do that in isolation what kind of um, what kind of relationship you would like to have with the UN Apart from the one you already have. Yeah. So in terms of our relationship with the World Health Organization, uh, five years ago when the DGs were being elected, we wrote to all of the candidates and said, do you know WHO has never had a chief nurse? You've had nurses who've come in from time to time, but you've not had a chief nurse on staff. And to all of the candidates, we said, if you were elected, uh, would you make that appointment? And uh, Tedros... DG Tedros committed that he would and he's fulfilled on that promise and I think that that role has been really important in terms of mainstreaming and bringing the nursing voice in the way that we've the way that we've talked about it needs to go further um, you know one person cannot do it on their own but I think that there is an example there that other parts of the UN could also look at in terms of how are you bringing how are you bringing nursing advice and expertise let me put it like this I, I, not just when you get to the point that you've got a resolution that you want signing off but when that resolution is a twinkle in your eye it's a thought it's an idea about how we really might improve health or how we might improve peace or security but there's a health element to it at that point where are you bringing in Nursing, nurses, healthcare professionals rightly always talk about, you know, prevention is much better than cure. And I think there's a, I think there's a point in there about how the UN system works as, as, as well. That not just bringing nursing and other key important elements of civil society to the table at the point that we have a big problem that we have to deal, to deal with. But let's row back, let's unpack that and say, you know, 
What did we do much earlier on as part of our prevention? Who was helping and supporting and advising us there as, there, there as well? So that's, that, that's, that, that's the sort of approach that I'd like to, to see for, 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 for the nursing profession, but, mm -hmm. but for health and the causes yeah. of health and ill health more generally. Yeah. The last one. If you, if you had the opportunity to say something to a nurse who is listening to you from his or her, beside uh, in the most remote and humble public hospital imaginable, yeah. what would you, what would you? Yeah, the, the first thing that I, I say is, I say to them is, is, and I know it can feel lonely, it can feel remote, it can feel that you are on your own. You are not. You are part of a 28 million strong profession valued and recognized right the way around the world the world has seen the value of what you do over the last few years in a way that it's never seen never never seen before so so never feel as though you're you're you're, you're insig or you're insignificant but then look at what you do daily in your practice every person you see you affect and you bring about change and not just necessarily in the moment but for the the next few months the next few years sometimes the intervention that you can bring as a nurse will affect and influence someone for the rest of their life to help them to live a, a, a healthy complete life um, but even in those moments even in those moments where you can't provide a cure where you are providing care, compassion, if it's, if it's end of life care as well, or if it's the birth of a child. These are moments that affect people and their families for the whole of their, for the whole of their lives. They will never forget how you made them feel. So you have chosen, in my view, the best profession in the world. You have chosen a profession which is strong and which is powerful and which increasingly is being heard globally, but you have also chosen a profession where you make a real meaningful difference every day. Where else could you go? What other job could you do where you could have that impact? Thank you once again for participating in this interview for Health Today the series of health episodes presented by UN Today and Here's London. Until next time.